Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening. Depending upon where you are on this rotating globe, welcome to another edition. I mean, tonight, a really special edition of The Other Side of Midnight. Now, I know that I've said that quite a few times in the last uh, few weeks, but there have been a string of astonishing discoveries vis-a-vis the moon made by this team, as well as extraordinary developments in the UFO, UAP, official Washington soap opera scene, which are kind of paralleling. And there have been now finny developments. The House has voted um, on an NDAA containing this crucial Schumer ET, you know, alien HDI UFO amendment, which apparently, according to a lot of reports, has been all but eviscerated in going through the House. Now, that's, on the surface of it, bad news. I'm going to argue tonight that it's just the opposite. This is the best news we could have gotten. And I am sure, based on decades, that Stephen will have another opinion. And that's what makes horse races. So, um, let me start with a news item to kind of give you context. The reason, of course, that both Stephen and I believe this is the most important problem on the human agenda right now, tonight, December 16th, 2023, is my first news item. If you go to the other side of midnight.com and you click on tonight's banner, which says very uh, dramatically, um, the sudden major war in Congress over releasing UFO technologies. And in the interim since we wrote that headline the bill has actually been voted on um i'm not sure whether it's been uh voted on by the senate yet um or there's it's gonna have to go back to conference before it gets back to uh to the president's desk but it's all over because all sides appear to have been resigned to this as the compromise well that's item number number of uh, number two but number one, with the U.S. wanting to scale back the Israeli-Hamas war. And the relationship between these two apparently totally separate events is what we should be in part talking about tonight, because Stephen and I both agree that the only thing big enough to alter a declining spiral of history that we see on our TVs 24-7 both in Ukraine and in the Middle East now, is something big enough to change the mindset of an awful lot of people so they see themselves as more related as humans compared to a major staggering unknown out there which is revealed or reveals itself or is made um, plausible 
in the minds of an awful lot of people. That's why we're doing the show tonight, because there have been major developments on the political front vis-a-vis that very uh, reality. Uh, For the last several weeks, there has been a major war going on behind the scenes in the House and the Senate regarding who was in favor of real disclosure. That is the... um, um, there's, a, there's a technical term for this, the eminent domain control to the U.S. government of all the UFO research, data, bodies, technology, whatever, being held in the private sector, currently accruing back to the federal government on behalf of the people of the United States of America. And something so seemingly <clears throat> bland and pablum, you know, just good old patriotism, suddenly became incredibly polarized with Republicans on one side, Democrats on the other. And the final bill that we got in the last couple of days, the, the uh, proponents of the original Schumer Amendment are claiming has been eviscerated. And again, I will argue on the other side of that equation with hopefully some very important and dramatic new evidence tonight, up to and including from the White House. Okay. Um, Tell you what, let's leave it on that note, and uh, we'll bring up uh, Stephen here, because uh, it's time to basically go to, um, you know, what's going on right now in Washington. So, Stephen Bassett is a incredibly patient, long-lived, persistent, Torian-type political activist in the field of UFOs. <clears throat> UAP is a modern, you know, bastardization of the field. And he's been at it for decades. He's been at his side of the fence, which is aliens, spacecraft, etc., um, about as long as I have in terms of ET artifacts, ruins on the moon, Etc., etc., etc. So, um, without further ado, Mr. Bassett. Hi, Richard. Hi. Well, as the Chinese used to say, may you live in interesting times. Obviously, the Chinese have taken up permanent residence in the uh, House and Senate of the United States. Where are we tonight? Because it's very confusing, even to me, and I follow this stuff. <coughs> The language in the bill is set. Well, for, for, for so, that, let's lay out yeah, what the it, Schumer Amendment was and what yeah, we got. I, I know. I'm just kind of giving you where we are. The, lang- the final language is done. It's not going to be changed again. Nope. And yeah, the bill I, I is totally going agree. to go to the president pretty quickly uh-huh. and be signed. And he's going to sign it. I yeah, think this plan was always on the 21st, uh, which is what? Just, I think. It's like the damn thing. solstice. <laughs> of course it is. Of course so, it is. You'll get used to it. <clears throat> so so what, what's, just, what's just happened, though, is really extraordinary. Great and, question, Mr. Bastet. <clears throat> so what just happened? Um, what we had was one of the most powerful men in Washington, D.C., in our government, the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, a member of the Gang of Eight, square off against two other members of the Gang of Eight, uh, and that would be Chairman Rogers and Chairman Turner in the House, over whether or not government contractors could have full 
domain, I guess you could say, over the non-human technology ownership. they've been working ownership. on for decades. Ownership. Again, whatever they they want control and they, they they want to make the decisions and they don't they certainly do not want the government to be able to claim eminent domain. So now think about this: you've got you've got these very powerful men battling over the language uh, about whether or not our civilian defense contractors can have control over non-human technology. Now, that's hold, literally what it was. Hold, about. hold it right there. Because what you just said is the cornerstone of my thinking tonight. Maybe I'm naive. This is a huge, huge win for the field. Huge. And I will tell you why. Because in informing this opposition and watering down this bill, what they have done is left the core of the bill alone, which states in legal language, ETs, UFOs exist. And you don't fight over something that doesn't exist. Right. So that's the win. So, yeah. And, and uh, so this, this is, uh, we've been waiting decades. Wow, we agree. And, Stephen, ding, 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 ding. Bassett and Hoagland agree. Uh, well, there, there's a chess game being played. Exactly, and, and so, exactly, exactly. And Schumer snookered the other side brilliantly. Brilliantly. He, he knew exactly what he was doing when he came forward on the 14th of July, 39 days after Grush came 39, out. twice 19.5. And, and uh, Grush came out and obviously gave the interview to Colthard and the debrief mag uh, magazine or publication uh, and created a huge problem for everyone because that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> And nope. so now the question of human non-human tech is now in in play. It hasn't been uh, denied. He's, There's a he, food he, fight over not something. There's nothing. It's something that's something. In other words, this is the ball game. Ninety-nine percent of humans want someone officially to say yes, they're real. All that stuff is real, and that's what the Congress and the President are about to do together. Admit it's all real. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Grush brings the non-human technology thing into play, which is too soon. They didn't want that yet. They wanted to have more hearings, particularly Senate well, they hearings. want this careful, controlled, time-release in 25 fucking years. Sorry for my French. We may dole out, as we deem prudent from time to time, bits of it. No, that, that's the quote from Dr. Morbius on Forbidden Planet. They're following the script. Well, I would suggest that that Grush, Grush was not following the script. He he came forward because of unusual circumstances. Maybe it's part of a bigger plan, Stephen. Maybe this is for the chess and both sides, because this is for all the marbles. This is for the human race, knowing finally who it is, how powerful it is, what dimensions it extends to, what technologies to save the Earth are trivially available. In other words, the whole Megillah. That's what's at stake. Oh, and by the way, Consciousness, where does it really come from? The same hyperdimensionality that the physics is coming from, and so that changes our perspective on who we are, etc., etc. This is not trivial, Stephen, and we've, as of tonight, in my humble opinion, we have won. We haven't won. Well, it's all over with the shouting. There'll be a lot of shouting. I mean, look at, look at uh, what's his name, Giuliani on the steps of the court, 
where he got socked for $148 million and he's standing out there saying, I'm telling the truth. Sometimes the, the guys don't know when to fall down when they're dead. Yeah, well, the truth embargo, I think, is done. It, it's, it's a matter of... It's oh, it's emaciated. It's sitting on the floor in ribbons. And I've got some surprises for you tonight, which are on the artifact front. But anyway, let me let you please continue because we're like only 12 minutes out. Um, we've got plenty of time. Set up the context for why you think this is a win, but why the rest of us now have to really pitch in. This is a time for all good men and women to come to the aid of the party. So, Grush advanced the time schedule, certainly. Yes. He forced, he forced Schumer's hand. He created a big problem for Kirkpatrick because... Patrick knew that what Grush was saying was going to eventually end up at his desk and he couldn't deal with that. So it was a pretty wild and crazy time. But nevertheless, uh, Grush held up. He, he took some hits. He's, he's continued to give well, interviews. Did you hear, and I forgot to put that in the news item, did you hear about the amazing reactions of Abby Loeb to Grush? Originally, he was very dead against, you know, charlatan, mental, nutcase, whatever. They had a one-hour conversation a few days ago, and now Abby Loeb is on board, 180 degrees, the Grush yeah. train. Abby Loeb had better be on board. Well, but... Because but, but he's for, in for a rough time for, if he is. general political, it tells us where, where, where the bodies are lining up and why Abby Loeb has not responded to either of our two stunning challenges. Anyway. So, what Schumer did was he he solved the problem we we haven't had senate hearings yet nope president is in a position to disclose yet and grush has brought the issue of non-human tech literally out front and he hasn't been rebuked so it's now literally hanging there in the air and so he made his decision there's a tremendous echo somewhere in the background of you it's not me now it went away uh in 39 days, over that period, he and Mike Rounds got together. And Remind everybody who Mike Rounds is. Mike Rounds is a member of the Armed Services Committee. He's not on the Intel, Senate Intel Committee, but he is a important member of Congress. And he, he worked with Schumer to come up with about a 50-page addition. This is Senator the, Mike Round from, I forget, somewhere in the Midwest, I think. Uh, to uh, expand the... The, the legislation as it was uh, uh, so far underway. In other words, the, the, the legislation that was being put together in the Senate, they added like 50 pages to it, and they went they went deep. They went big. And the reason he had to do that is that if he did not take action, Grush was going to hang there, and it was going to get very complicated, plus the fact that the, the non-human tech was out there. If he didn't respond in a meaningful way, it was going to start to get very, very weird and possibly ugly. And so he, he went full bore. And so they come up with this significant legislation in which he directly confronts the non-human tech and claims that the U.S. has an eminent domain over it and that the, the contractors need to provide a report of what they have. And at some point, after a certain length of time, at some point, the, the government may decide to take it uh, or not take it. Uh, but overall, he's saying, they're, they're saying that the tech ultimately should be uh, primarily in service to the American people and then secondly, in service to the shareholders of these companies. Okay, that was a punch directly in the nose oh, absolutely. of the entire 
uh, military intelligence defense contractor. But I think there was a second level. Because knowing that this fight was going to come from behind the scenes to in public, what this has done, either Schumer deliberately planning it or it being an incredibly beneficial side effect, it's identified in the Congress who the opposition is. Well, yeah, he smoked the opposition out, and, 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 and it wasn't just the eminent domain clause. Oh, no. I mean, they put, in, they put in the review process, but they made it, they gave it a teeth. They gave the review process, which included the UAP uh, review board, subpoena power, as well as the highest classification you need to be able to look and deal with anything. Now, this is just certain individuals that are part of the review process, including members of certain congressional committees. And so you've got a review board, you've got subpoena power, you have eminent domain, uh, and then they have the necessary classification. So he literally put together the ultimate bill that would suffice in the post-disclosure era after a presidential confirmation to to immediately initiate and continue to bring forward everything ultimately that is in the government's secret vaults in our in our programs in our uh, USAPs and bring it out review it give it to the public unless it needs to be postponed and and it all ends up in the national archives this is the whole enchilada and they called it the disclosure control plan uh, which again I love these terms they're, they're literally <laughs> using our language this this was it and so he literally forced them to come out of hiding mm. now the, the, the defense guys couldn't come out. I mean, they didn't come out by name. They, did, they got in touch with intermediaries who uh, who knew how to get to the members of Congress that they knew were going to be on the, in the conference, in, in the deliberation. This was their opportunity to make the change. And the reason they had leverage is that, uh, and this is more on the Republicans than the Democrats, but it's it's both parties. These defense contractors give millions of dollars in campaign donations to these people. Big money. And so they've got leverage, and they used it in this case. And they were able to get this thing underway. But it wasn't clear if they could pull it off because, again, Schumer had come out in, in July. This thing has been up there for months. People have high expectations. Grush is continuing giving interviews. It looks like we're, we probably could have held out, but the fight was joined by another person. At the end, it was Mitch McConnell that stepped into it, and that changed the dynamics. He was putting leverage in the Senate, obviously, but it's a Democratic-controlled Senate. So McConnell went and and broke bread with uh, the three Mikes, Mike Johnson, Mike Turner, Mike Rogers, uh, and let him know that he favored uh, what they wanted, which is to pair this bill back. And that gave him extra clout. And the end result is that the conference mm. committee was able to strip all of the enforcement stuff out of the bill and just leave the essence of the bill, meaning – the concept of bringing the material out, getting it to the National Archives, postponing when necessary, giving it to the public if possible, uh, and the total is about 11 pages. The Schumer uh, UAP Act was 33 pages. I mean, in, in, my, in my format, I formatted it into a PDF file. So in a PDF single space, it was 11 pages. Mm -hmm. uh, the Schumer bill was 36 pages. So it was over three times as large. And so, but they left the essence of the bill. Okay, and so, and, and so he smokes them out. We know that there's not only do we not know there's a, a non-human tech. We know that the, the companies that are working on that non-human tech are very proud of it and want to make money from it. And so the whole non-human tech. Oh, well, they thing, want to make a lot of money. Remember, it's exactly. Steve time. 
Uh, and so unless unless whales and porpoises and elephants have learned how to make computer chips, uh, non-human tech means extraterrestrials. And so we've had what amounts to informal implicit disclosure, but not the real deal yet. But And, and it happened because of Grush. If Grush doesn't come forward, this probably is not happening right now. And the bill would have been different. So now that that's done, the bill's done, there's really only one next step. And that is the Senate has got to call the hearings that they promised in front of the Intel Committee for the, well, for the very in, substantial it, list of witnesses ready to come forward. At the first level, and we know this is many the levels deep, but at the first level, it would seem logical now, given that Schumer's bill was snubbed, to turn to the chairman of that committee and say it's time and schedule it for the first quarter of 2024. Well, it needs to be January, and there's a reason for that. That's the first quarter. Uh, well, again, early in the year, because the, the first primary, uh, forget about the Iowa caucus, the first primary, I think, is in February? In, the, in, uh, in New Hampshire, you know. Yeah. And that's the real beginning of what is going to be one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive, one of the most partisan, nasty, ugly, bizarre well, that's uh, elections of our money. lifetime. Yeah, it's going to be incredibly And, and it's going to be all bad. Okay. Which is and why so, we need disclosure. So the idea, if they don't do this, if they, don't, if they hold off these hearings and let them drag, and if they get interrupted because of events in the Middle East or events in Ukraine, then this non-human tech unofficial disclosure is going to be hanging over all of these candidates who are not going to know what they're talking about. They're not going to know how to address it. And it's just going to be a disaster. Mm. On the other hand, if they get the hearings in January, and the witnesses that, that we know are going to testify, in, in, not for a day, but for a week at least, we're talking 15, maybe 20 witnesses, that this testimony will blow the truth embargo completely up. And in which case, afterwards, the president could come forward passively and simply state, I'm convinced we have a non-human tech, non-human presence. That's disclosure. That's it. And if that, say that happens at the end of January or early February, that gives all the 2,000 can balloted candidates a chance to start reading all the books or at least go to some documentaries, get up to speed, learn something about this uh, and and have something meaningful to say about it and be able to talk openly about it during this campaign. The issue being what it is, so nonpartisan, it could suck a great deal of the venom out of what is going to be, as I say, could be well, the worst campaign of our lifetime. So the benefits politically are enormous. And then ultimately, the benefit to the American people would be that when the four, new 40, 435 members of Congress are elected and 33 members of the Senate and a lot of governors, when those people are elected, they will the electorate will have some idea of what these men and women think about this new world they're in. What What is their view about the post-disclosure world? What are the implications for them? What do they see happening? How are they going to manage the country in a post-disclosure world? They'll have some idea when they decide who to vote for and we'll get a government in 2025 that has somewhat connected to this huge shift. So the difference between getting this hearing done early and getting it postponed, even late into the year, June, July, you know, when the trials are underway, no. They've got to get it done in January. And so I am pushing with a advocacy. Well, the first Trump trial is March 4th. It probably will move downstream a couple of weeks, maybe, you know, maybe a month. So you have a window between January when everybody comes back and March, basically a, a two-month window. It's 
Very tight, uh, because the primary and, and that does not count what could happen, what is probably going to happen in Gaza in terms of the greatest human catastrophe in modern times. Well, that's the most important reason to get it done. If anything really breaks bad, in well, it's these breaking bad. There, a lot of people are going to die just because of the lack of any amenities of what we call civilization. They're starving to death. There's no water. You know, it's it's and and, and disease. You know, runs rampant in those conditions. There are two point two million people at risk. So any catastrophic outcome from any number of areas, whether could it's the Middle East, whether it's Ukraine, stop. whether it's Darfur, whether it's a, a, Could take Taiwan. number one on the runway and this gets sidepedaled. Because, of course, everybody knows it's not really important. So it'll completely put, put this off to the side. And then we'll go into the election and it, it will be one – it'll be hell on earth. This year will go, go bad. But if they get it done quickly, then whatever does happen, if something really awful does happen in one of these theaters of risk – it will be in the post-disclosure world, which means that that new world, that new situation is going to help shape the response that we give to whatever takes place. One thing I've learned in my life is that what, how much of a productive and maybe even happy life you have, and it's the same for countries, what, what kind of country you have and how well it goes is less dependent upon what happens to you but more dependent upon how you react to what happens to you. That is where the problems lie. That's where the damage is done. And so our problem for, for a long time, the human race, is that we, we react badly to things. And the examples go on and on and on. And so we have to change our thinking. We have to be in a different place. So if, in fact, a nuke gets used in Ukraine, it won't just escalate to a global nuclear war. We'll step back and consider other options. This sounds simple and trivial, but it's not. Uh, the, 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 the paradigm shift to, uh, to the, the post-disclosure world, when everybody in the planet knows there's an ET present, is so big, so profound, that it cannot be disregarded, and it will shape how people think, nations think. Well, it may be shaping it even now, and I've got some really important new data to show you on the other side of the break. Mm -hmm. Then I have a an argument that kind of Supports part of what you said and part of what I'm looking at. And then, of course, we have uh, a bunch of other stuff to go to that relates. Remember, there is the artifact side of the house, and there have been stunning developments on the artifact side of the house. Artifact side of the house? Artifact. I'm not familiar. What e is this? ET artifacts, the stuff I've been looking at for decades. Ruins, things brought back. We have overwhelming evidence that NASA is hiding on Earth tonight ET artifacts in storage, in samples, that Abby Loeb will not touch it with a 20-foot pole, and the president has one in his office and is bragging about it. Interesting. Wait so you when you see. said House, you weren't referring to House of Representatives? No, the White House. It's, oh, it's, okay. Biden, it's Biden's sample. He specifically requested it when he moved in two years ago. Okay. That's and it's new. got a, a photo and a number and a detail, and I've got people working on the, the engineering. It is an ET artifact. It is not a rock. And it okay. has precision geometry and inners that look electronic. So, um. Oh, that's cool. Let me, uh, we're at the, we're at the bottom of the hour. And okay. I have, I have a mission, you know, which I'll lay out as we open this, uh, second part of our conversation tonight. 
Stephen and I are in very rare agreement that the way this bill came through, ultimately, A, we have won, and B, there's a lot of work yet to do, but it is not the deplorable catastrophe for UFO disclosure that the press, the mainstream, the lazy folks, the folks with the agenda have been portraying it to be in the last 48 hours. In fact, it is an amazing win, which we will take the rest of the evening to describe. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Hmm. Interesting. Welcome back, everyone, to this Saturday night edition of The Other Side of Midnight, the 16th of December of 2023. Christmas rusheth down upon us. So my guest tonight is Steve Best for the whole three hours, and we're talking about the incredibly interesting and Byzantine and Emily Dickinson and outright 4D chess nature of what has just happened in the U.S. Congress. And I totally agree, Stephen, that Bassett's going to sign Bassett, the, the Biden, see, too, too many Bs. Biden is going to sign it, and then we'll be off to the races because it officially surrounds with a moat and lasers and whatever the magic keys to the kingdom, and it says it's not going to release them even under the best of circumstances except through these various agencies and companies that deem it necessary or appropriate. The real goods of the ET UFO discussion, which is the technology, stupid, that that's going to be kept under after 25 years. Well, I will bet you dollars to Navy beans that mandate does not last a year. Because one of the key things <clears throat> which actually forms the background to a really cool birthday party, Stephen, happy birthday, 
and Happy Christmas combined this year because you got what we've both been wishing for. And that is, as part of this new law, about to become law, they are now set up, disagree with me if you, if you want to, a central archive <clears throat> for bringing all of this disparate information together, which has been accumulating officially for 70 years, almost three quarters of a century, and which is all over the place, under every damn rock you can imagine, this will centralize all that info so another official congressional law in operation tonight takes effect when whistleblowers leaking from that central archive become forward enough to come forth, lay their jewels upon the table, talk to the New York Times, and are, be, are totally covered from liability and government retribution by, I forget which piece of legislation enacted a couple of years ago, loosely called the New Whistleblowers Act. So this all works in concert to move the date up as opposed to back, even with the now identified Republican and corporate opposition that real disclosure has always had. Stephen, thoughts? Stephen, unmuting helps. The, the earlier law was not whistleblower protection, it was witness protection. It was for people that are coming forward within the process, within government, as, as allowed for by law, who then get harassed or have a problem uh, with people inside who simply <clears throat> oppose the process. Uh, it's not a whistleblower law. Um, we have already, uh, in, in for some time, whistleblower laws protecting anybody coming forward regarding illegal activities within any part of the government. So it's that's not. I think that's not the chess move that, that Schumer made. The move he made that was so brilliant again was this: he 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 put something up there so strong they had to push back. So he forced them out of cover. He forced the, the government contractors to basically admit that there's non-human tech, which again backs up Grush. All right, uh, which is and, the ball game. And and but the bill, and of course they couldn't just eliminate the bill. And so essentially, what they left in was the basic bill, the same thing. There would be a process of bringing things forward. It would go to the National Archives. They just took out all the enforcement power to do it mm -hmm. as of that bill. Now. Schumer, if he if he is thinking like I hope he is, that okay. Now as we, we everybody goes home for a couple of weeks to chill out, they come back to Congress in early January, twenty twenty four, and the whole idea that we have non human tech, which means extraterrestrial tech, is now spreading around the world. The articles about it are just pouring forward as fast as I can uh, archive them yep. on my site. Yep. And so that is now in play. And so so you you go ahead, you call the hearings. You bring in these these witnesses who are just going to blow the people's minds when they when they testify under oath. That sets up the president to disclose. Could be as, as early as late January, early February. And so disclosure has happened. The world's on fire. Everybody's excited. And a week after that, guess what? The Senate reintroduces the entire UAP uh, disclosure bill intact as is as a standalone and who in Congress is going to vote against it then? At that point, And yeah. they end up getting it without any hardly delay at all. And so all of that power comes back to the government, 
right? Because the people are not going to let that be stopped once they have been informed by their own president that there's an extraterrestrial presence, and that's been confirmed by heads of state around the world. And so they get the bill anyway. I mean, it's it's, it's a chess move parks a loss. <clears throat> it's just fantastic. And uh, and then he goes on. You know, you, you may have known know, known this, but he he went on the floor of the Senate along with the rounds. And he did kind of politicize the issue. He chastised the Republicans for uh, pushing back and taking this out of the bill. And then Round said something and he said something. But then overall, it was like, well, you know, we got this bill and we're all going to go forward. So he's kind of taken some of the venom out. Uh, he played it perfectly. And, and keep in mind that that wasn't the plan. If Gruss doesn't come forward, he's not in this position, right? And so he, he had to adjust to a changing situation. Grush is still getting threats, but he is giving interviews. He said he's had a hell of a time. It's been tough on him, but overall, he's holding up. Uh, uh, will other whistleblowers join him? I don't think so. I think they're, right now, if you've got something pretty significant, you want to be a witness. You want to be talking to the intel committee. You want to be coming out as a whistleblower. That is no path anyone should take unless it's an absolute last resort. And so we're looking for witnesses now, not more whistleblowers. Uh, we have the witnesses that will pretty much wrap this up and get get us the disclosure we, we've been waiting for all these years. Well, you know my old cliche, no single point failure. If you don't have witnesses and you don't have hearings, and that's in the hands of basically one person, the chairman, then what's your fallback? It's got to be the people. It's got to be other grushes that see that the water is fine and they're willing to duck their toe into it. And if they're first-person witnesses, if they're worked in the program, they use the witness protection part of that earlier legislation to protect their position. We don't want that, though. I mean, we, we really don't it's want not, that. You don't that get what you want tough. in life a lot of times. You get what you have to get to, and then you make modifications. So. Well, yeah, again, it's, it's not going to be pretty, and that's going to be a problem. Now, it's also the case that the House is now fully engaged in this. And you have uh, from the House uh, conservative Republicans that have really taken this up. And so you've got this Well, Burchette said we were hosed, which is very direct language. Well, but he's also said that they're, they're, not, they're absolutely committed to getting disclosure. They want this truth out. Uh, and the, th the three are uh, Luna, um, Mace, and, and, and Burchett are the three pretty much leaders there. Mm. They already had a hearing. They said they're going to have another one, and they're already making a fuss about the fact that you know it's time for the government to stop uh, keeping this stuff hidden. And the and the press is picking up on this. There's articles all about this. The, the shift is now: why is the government keeping this hidden, and so forth. So you've got you've got conservatives in the House on our side. You've got a very some bipartisan. And, it, and it's not just here. In fact, the reason I have the Guardian up there is because I wanted a more distant offshore quasi more neutral perspective and they're basically saying what we're saying tonight you know it's got to go forward this this is just a speed bump yeah uh, the press are totally on our side at this point now they, they they do understand it's the biggest story in history and they're they're covering it pretty damn good you <laughs> yep, know yep. thank god happy so birthday it, what a hell of a present we're we're in a good place right now but again the world is so dangerous yes that we cannot afford delay. And this is – so what I did is I launched a, a little project here, which is called Shift Storm, S-H-I-F-T, Shift Storm. Very clever. Uh, I launched it about five days ago. It's got a website. It's shiftstorm.org. And it's as simple as it could be. Uh, all I'm asking 
people who are on Twitter to do is let's tag messages into the three senators who are the chief decision makers on that hearing, and that's Schumer, Warner, and Rubio. Uh, all three are pretty much essential. Uh, they're going to confer with each other. And so the all you do is you, you can tag a message to their ch- Twitter handle. They, like almost every member of Congress, are on Twitter and they have handles. And so at Senator Schumer, at Senator Rumio, and you go at Senator Schumer and then you give them a message. Look, we really want those hearings in, in January with the yep, witnesses yep. ready to testify. Exactly. We love what you're doing. Thank you for the legislation because they're heroes. They're, they're not the bad guys. Oh, no, 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 no. And my, my plan is to try to get 100,000 tagged messages into the notification box of all three of those senators by the end of the year, early January. It's very doable. Uh, it's already getting some traction. Uh, well, there is a window, over- depending upon... I, I think Schumer, seriously, is playing 4D chess, and he set this up so the hearings have a context, which is, in the midst of a lot of noise, be a signal you have to have alerted your audience something major is happening. Now everybody interested in this, and that's a lot of people, are going to pay attention when hearings on UFOs in the Senate Intelligence Committee are announced. But those that want those hearings, let's let's help. Let's let's get out there. And so you tag a message on Twitter at Senator Schumer, at Senator Rubio, at Senator Warner, and you say, "Look, I, we really want these hearings." Now those things will accumulate by the thousands in the notification box of the Twitter account yep, yep, of these yep. senators. The staffers monitor those. They monitor those notifications <clears> because <throat> that is how they determine what people are saying about their boss. It's a pulse. And as these, it's a pulse of the these, people. As these messages accumulate, they're going to they're gonna call the boss, they're going to call the chief of staff and say, look, check this out. And so they're going to see, and then they're going to go to the box and simply scroll through all of these messages that are calling for hearings. This is as simple as it gets. It couldn't be easier. And so this is shiftstorm.org. Uh, and uh, anybody, anybody's on Twitter can do this. It's trivial. And I'm providing, obviously, the handles. And they, you, there's also the case you can send emails. Now, the trick here, though, <laughs> is that the email forms only accept emails from people in the state of the senator. So whether it's Virginia, Florida, yeah, or yeah. New York, if you're not a resident, if if the when you when you submit your message, if the address on it isn't in the right state, uh, Florida, Virginia, or New York, it won't go through. But if it does have a state address, it will. So that's a little trickier. But the Twitter messages, the Twitter tweet storm is 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 is, is probably enough. But Certainly 10,000 emails would be nice if we get those into each of the members. Mm-hmm. We want hearings in January. It's that simple. That's all you're really when having are, to say. Are, when are you scheduled for, for George, for Coast? I'm, I haven't been scheduled in quite some time. Oh, I'm on the 19th, next Tuesday night. Good. Good. I am obviously uh, going to quote you a lot. Because <clears throat> people, millions of people, I'm going to direct them as to a campaign so we can help move this log a little bit faster down the river, but it's headed in the right direction. Now, yeah, are you in front is, of a computer? Yeah, it's it's easy. Are you, you in can front do of it from your computer. phone. You can do it from a computer. Stephen, are, so, you, so are you tonight, right now, shifts. are you in front of a computer screen? Uh, I sort of am, yeah. Okay, good, because you need to go to my section of Radio with Pictures and yeah, start okay. at item number five. I'm looking for item number five? Okay, yep, hang yep, yep. Let me cruise on down here. Uh Let's see. Item one, two, three, four, five. Important to um, important to listen. Call this number. What? Um, is that the wrong five? I think so. Yeah. No, it's five. Uh, it's, it's, 
Under the banner on the homepage. Go there first. Let me go to the homepage. Hang on. Uh, Home. Okay, here we go. See the banner? Under the banner. I see it. I see it. Here we go. Click on the banner. Okay, got to click on the banner. Take it to the guest page. Underneath the banner in yellow are links to my items and yours. Okay. I don't think you have any items. Click on my name. All right. Um... I'm on the other side of Midnight Richard Hogan. That's the uh, that's the main logo. Yeah, yeah. Look at the banner. Click on. What's the banner? What banner? Scroll down. Scroll down. Do you see your name? In I see, oh, my name. Okay. Yeah, you'll see your name, Stephen Bassett. Listen to the show. Come on down. Sitting Saturday, December sixteenth. Richard Hogan, Stephen Bassett. There you go. Okay. All right. Click on the banner. Click on that whole thing, gotcha. Yeah, okay, yeah. now we're getting somewhere. All right, good, good, good. Go to the guest page. All right. Underneath and it says fast links to items, just under the banner. Okay, hang on. Down toward the bottom of the block. <sighs> to listen to the show. It's got my bio. Keep uh, down. Keep no, going. You, you went you went too One, far. two, three, four. Now I'm back to the same thing. No, no, you went you went too far. Don't click on okay. bios, click on items. My name. Items. Items, right items, above uh, bios. To, I guess page. Yeah. See where There's so much stuff here. I, fast links I to items, Richard. I I just don't see it. Uh, guest page, link to listen to the show, and then it's got me. Uh, I don't think I'm on the right page, Richard. So. All right, uh, go just, back to the home page. Yeah, just don't see it. You can just go there and tell me what you're, what you're looking at. Yeah, but you need to see it. <laughs> it's hard to describe a spiral staircase. All right, I'm at the homepage. There's you. There's Coast to Coast. There's click, the click, uh, printing. Go, going down to the banner. Keep going to your... My seat. banner? It, it, it's got the capital with a whole bunch of bombs bursting By the there. bombs, early light? Yes. Click on that. Click on that. Click on that. All right. Underneath on. that, you'll see several lines of text. Then it says guest page, fast links to items. The very bottom of that block. Isn't okay, this exciting? I'm clicking on the banner. Folks? Underneath that, it says to listen to show Saturday December. To listen to show Saturday Sunday guest page. Yeah, under that there should be two lines. And then cr- click on Richard. Yes, yes. Uh, well, okay. Now I see it. Now I've got it. Number five. Number five. It's been two months. Why can't NASA open mm-hmm. the asteroid okay, sample? Okay. Backstory, and then we'll continue this in the next block. If it goes that long, because it's really amazingly cool. Remember the old thing about if Mohammed won't come to the mountain, the mountain will come to Mohammed? Mm-hmm. The mountain has come to Mohammed. NASA mm-hmm. tonight is sitting on hundreds of pounds of extraterrestrial technological samples. And either they don't know, which I doubt incredibly, or they've been keeping it totally secret. And we appointed Abby Loeb in the direction of both sets. We've been resoundingly rebuffed, meaning he has not opened hailing frequencies, <clears throat> even though he's trying to raise a few more million dollars to go back out to Indonesia and dive to the bottom of the ocean. So, about two months ago, the unmanned robotic mission to Bennu, an asteroid, remember that? <clears throat> that launched in 2018 and took seven years to get there and retrieve samples and bring them home. Those samples came home. The first extraterrestrial asteroid samples ever for the U.S. came home in September on right. live television. Then the samples went to Houston to a special lab built and designed at great expense to handle 
in a pristine environment, those samples. And it's been two <clears throat> freaking months since NASA said, oops, we can't get into the canister, we can't look at our samples. Two months! And they can't find a screwdriver. And other people besides us are beginning to smell a very, very big rat. And the reason is, when they picked up the samples at Bennu, all of them on live television, it was obvious they picked up so much junk that some of it spilled out of the container that was designed to close, you know, like a, like a, like a dust catcher and capture material from Bennu, soil, rocks, rocklets, mm -hmm. tiny things, and stuff them in the cancer and seal it. They had a bunch of stuff outside the canister when they opened the first layer. And when they sampled that is when they freaked out. Because if you look at item number six, yeah, click on six, what do you see? Well, it looks like a green rock. Okay, look on seven. Seven is, hang on, let me go back. Hang on, where, where, where'd it go? Let me get out of here. How do I get out of here? Right under six. Uh, yay. Uh, <laughs> I can't win it. We just, mm -hmm. uh, I've clicked on it, but I, maybe I got to do this. Okay, here we go. Uh, seven. Oh, hello. Yes. Okay. It's probably better not to look at it by clicking on it because it makes it very big. So you. So this is a piece of technology from Bennu, which has been cut open. That's what the artistic representation on the right is. Yeah. This has been posted, if you look at number eight, this has been posted in a major NASA Smithsonian display in Washington within days after NASA claiming it can't get into the canister, but this is part of the debris on the lid. And they posted this, look at the the article when you have time, with a big this, you know ceremony with the head of Smithsonian, the head of NASA, you know, various politicians standing around going rah-rah, you Americans are going to be able to see a sample of what we brought back from this asteroid, Bennu. And it's under a light and a microscope, so anybody in our audience, and when I talk to George on, on Tuesday, I'm going to tell that audience, which is quite a bit bigger than ours, millions of people, that they can go to the Smithsonian, if they're on the East Coast, take a damn camera, photograph the hell out of this thing, and then give us the video or the images, because it is a fossilized artifact from the asteroid retrieval mission Bennu. And it's right there in Washington. So are you implying that the entire asteroid was a, a, a technological it's, artifact it's, or it's, there was some it's, technology it's, no, on no, it? No, no, it's, it's both. It's an ancient ship. The ancient ships all are cube octahedrons. Those are papers and data and show we've done going back like several years. This is, okay. part, this is part of that architecture, that platonic geometry. Remember, the physics works on platonic solid geometry, those five shapes inside a sphere. So when you see manifestations, I mean, maybe that's the only shape where you can create the drives that move the ships around the solar system without, you know, rockets, without fuel, without reaction. At any rate, a couple of days ago, after this uh, piece appeared in the, um, uh, uh, I forget what, what news agency, U.S. News, that that's been two months. Why can't they get into the damn box? They there was a big story about a quasi-secret meeting between Biden 
and the next generation of astronauts that are going to the moon next year, the Artemis II, four astronauts, uh, three men and one woman. And he had them in the Oval Office. It was not announced. It was a quiet, off-the-record meeting. But when they came outside and posed in front of cameras there on the driveway outside of the um, uh, West Wing, they said that Biden, among other things he talked about, really boasted about the lunar sample that he had asked NASA to loan him, which is sitting there in the bookshelf next to the, the Resolute desk in the Oval Office, right above, I'm sorry, right below uh, something from his Corvette that he loves more than anything except for Jill. And he boasted about the authenticity from NASA of this object, which when you look at number nine, is another E.T. artifact in Biden's Oval Office on his mind, per the story that I didn't have a chance to, to link, but you can find it by just Googling President Comments on Lunar Artifact. So here's what the setup is. Either for a lucky member of the press at the president's next press conference, or a guy named Stephen Bassett, who has White House credentials and can be in that press conference, and simply ask the president an elemental question. Mr. President, you bragged about your NASA artifact to the astronauts. When are you going to tell the American people it really is an ET artifact and it's been sitting in the White House for two years and you haven't said anything? And that will so warp nine accelerate this conversation and make it impossible for him to lie because the photo and the geometry and the technology is all over the web having been posted from this story on AP about the quiet meeting between Biden and the astronauts several days ago. So, Mr. Bassett, do you have White House press credentials? I am not a member of the press and darn, I do not have White darn, House credentials. Darn, darn. Uh, do no, you have anybody. do you have a trusted cohort who does have press credentials who would ask that question if it was given to him or her? I'd have to I'd have to check on that. I I don't know. It's I've been operating in other other realms, but it's just another example of of uh, how things are moving to the surface. At uh, warp nine. <laughs> but I would I would say this something I would mention that's relevant in, is that. And I wouldn't have said this when I started 26 years ago. Really? But, uh, but at this point, I- I'm pretty confident. Every single president of the United States has known that there's an extraterrestrial presence. From Truman on. Yeah. Every single one. Totally agree. And, but that doesn't mean they could do anything about it. doesn't mean they would well, want to do Well, they could have, but... Well, it, 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 let me this way. That, yeah, let me just say this. It doesn't mean that they would do anything about it. And, but whether they would do something about it would depend on the circumstance, and it would be incredibly difficult. So, but they've all known. Well, Truman came close just, in, in July of '52. Remember the big UFO scare for a week over over DC. That well, was the point it, when he could have said, "By the way," and they're well, and they're not hostile because we're still here. Yeah, he could have, and then but then uh, Eisenhower could have when he came in in '53. Instead, they oh, they but he had Robertson the meeting. Went the other way. He had the meeting at Holloman. Supposedly, so no. so, but they, but I can understand why those presidents did not take action. As you move forward, it gets a little more complicated. But the point I'm trying to make: Do I think that Joseph Biden knows there's an ET presence? Absolutely. 
uh, and he's probably known for a very long time. But knowing there's an ET presence and knowing how, how to deal well, with it. Well, it's steamboat time. It, it, you make no one, it's all those cliches. There is a timing. Time is now to get pregnant. It's obvious on all these fronts. I'm just saying that aside from looking at this legislation, and we got about four minutes to the top of the hour, uh, as, as the win that it is, the easier win, because once you make UFO technology available and agreed upon, yeah, that's really an ET artifact, you've won everything. Then, of course, it becomes much easier to force what's in hiding in the agencies and in the private contractors, you know, out like Lockheed Martin, out, in, out into the open. It's like the difference between wanting something that you suspect is there, whereas wanting something that you have no doubt is there, and it's sitting in the Oval Office tonight. That's what's amazing. And he bragged about it. I think this is a clever 4D stress, 4D, 4D uh, level um, uh, plan to get the people to demand of their government that they respond. Well, they, uh, yeah, but the way that's going to unfold, this is not an issue that the people are going to march on Washington. It never was and never will be. You don't know. Uh, but We're in the a people weird are time. supporting the disclosure process. And they've really, the media has gotten behind it. And so... They don't have to march on Washington. All they have to do is show up in front of NASA headquarters and have some signs, show us the damn artifacts. And the press will do the rest. It wouldn't go well. Because the evidence is is there. Why are you as an activist not wanting to be active? (laughs) If I was on the East Coast, I'd be in that, you know, I just I just told you. That I'm doing an activist effort right now. You got to pick your spots. My spot is simple as we just need the hearings. The witnesses, some of these witnesses have been waiting 30 years to testify. Uh, in other words, Grush, Grush was frustrated because over about a period of a year, nothing, they weren't responding to him properly and he got, he got hassled. There are witnesses that will eventually testify. They've been waiting for 20, 25 years. Uh, and been ignored. But all again, of that we're time. bottled up in the minds of two people, basically one. Who's the, who's the guy that runs the committee now? Yeah, the Senate Intel Committee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Warner. Warner, Warner from Virginia. Senator from Virginia. Yeah. Marco Rubio's ranking. It's Senator totally up to him. It is not. You know, I've been somewhat educated on that. It. I, I think technically it is up to the chairman, but the ranking member. And the Who's Senate the majority leader have a lot of influence there. Yeah. Well, how can they uh, order? But I know this. I know the Supreme Court or the president can't force that the, the Senate intel committee to have a hearing. They can't force it under the law. But in terms of it happening, I think those three individuals are the key. They, okay, if, well, if they come into agreement, it absolutely Hold it happens. there. We're at the top of the hour. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, is most appropriate because the government is in the process of admitting their stuff under control that they want to extend out to release in 20 over a generation beyond tonight but what they have to do in that legislation is to admit there is stuff and if there's stuff there's people who made the stuff and those are what this lovely gal is thinking about you're on the other side of midnight my name is richard c hoagland welcome to disclosure christmas Calling occupants.
Listening to this exciting first hour now. The second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports, We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. <laughs>